Get them out. Get a pen out. Get your Bibles out. This is going to kind of be uh, more teaching than preaching, but I believe we will preach some today. Um, if you help me preach, that's the key there. Um, and we're going to handle another question. And if you got your Bibles with you, let's go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. So uh, we've been talking on Sunday mornings about you ask for it. And talking about the the foremost asked questions that people have about um, just what they would like to know about. What does the Bible say about a certain subject? So we talked about anxiety and stress uh, one week. We talked about uh, race and redemption another week. We talked about transition last week. Brother Sean talked about that. And this week we're going to talk about are we living in the end of the world? Because that's an asked question, very asked question. I know a lot of you want to know the answer to that. Is Jesus coming back tomorrow? Actually, somebody said Jesus was coming back Saturday. No joke. I'm not joking about that. But uh, it's Sunday, and he's not back yet, so I guess they were wrong. Um, is Jesus coming back? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Because a lot of people have questions on the end of the world, the end times. Is Jesus coming back? When is it going to happen? And they want to know the signs of the times. And what day we're living in. So we're going to try to answer some of those questions from the Bible. We're not going to go to John Hagee on you this morning. Uh, some of you know who John Hagee is. He has a huge map of everything that happens in the book of Revelation. And it's scary. And you cry when you leave the service. Because there's like uh, flames of fire and horses with horns and frogs jumping out of the ocean. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be here for that. That sounds brutal. That's, that's freaking me out. So we're not going there. Because I don't know all that stuff that's in the book of Revelation, and I don't want to know. Because hopefully we'll all be in heaven and not be experiencing any of that. But still, we're going to give you the simplified version of what you need to know about the end of the world and when Jesus is coming back. Uh, so we're going to give you the, that version of it today. So Matthew 24, and we're going to start in verse... Three. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. We're going to kind of skip around a little bit. Matthew 24 and verse 3. It says, Later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us what will happen when will all this happen, and what will be the sign or the signal your return and the end of the world. And Jesus told him this, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming that they are the Messiah, and they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but do not panic. Yet these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. Nations will go into war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first part of the birth pains, and there will be more to come. Then verse 9, then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed, and you will be hated by all people because you are my followers. Amen. Let's go home. Just to uplift you this morning. God bless. You will be hated, persecuted, and killed because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. In verse 12, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Now, are we not living in that time period? Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. In verse 14, it says, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So notice he says, at the end of all those things, he said, But then the gospel, or the good news, will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. Can I get amen this morning? So uh, we're going to talk about Jesus and his return and the end of the world. I know that thinking about this subject, like I mentioned a second ago, a lot of people don't want to hear about this because it's scary. It's flat out scary. Especially, like I said, people like John Hagee and other people you listen to, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to hear about this. I don't want to be here for this. Let me be in heaven. Now, I'm the only honest one here. Everybody's acting like, mm, I don't know what you're talking about. It's scary. And the way that people have preached it, it, it gets to be to a place that you're just like, I, I don't know. The, the second coming of Jesus and the end of the world doesn't sound fun, doesn't sound like someone I want to be a part of, 
But what do we need to know from the Bible? And that's where I'm going to try to clear it up today. What do we need to know from the Bible? And I believe this will be the most uplifting message you've ever heard on the end of the world. (laughs) The most uplifting one you've ever heard. Because that's what God wants you. He doesn't want you scared. He wants you to be encouraged. And you're supposed to be comforted by the words that he spoke to you. So uh, I realize we see on TV, we see in movies, we see in everything about the end of the world. We see movies that are everywhere about the end times, natural disasters, all these things coming on the earth. And they're the scariest movies. And so you associate that with the end of the world. And, and it's something that it puts fear in you, not faith in you for the end times. And it's interesting, the world that tries to acknowledge that Jesus isn't coming back and the word of God isn't true, does movies like that all the time because they know that there's an end coming somewhere. And there's something going to happen. There's some kind of natural disasters and things that take place on the earth that there's going to be an end that comes sometime. And it's true. And so we see that we, we watch movies and we, we read books like the Left Behind series and other stuff that, that scares the hell out of people. Come on, I didn't cuss, guys. But it does. You read those books and it scares you and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I repent, God. I'm already saved, but I'm going to repent again by reading this book because I don't want to go to hell and I don't want to be caught in the end times. So we read books, we see movies, and it always portrays it as a very fearful, scary time. And it is without God. That's the key. It is without God. And we need to bring some clarity to this to understand what does these things mean. Because I know a lot of you have questions by what you see on TV every week of your lives. Sometimes now every day of your lives you wonder, is it the time for Jesus to come back yet? Because that's a legitimate question. Because all the things that he, he said would come to pass are happening every day on the news. Earthquakes and wars and rumors of war and people against people, hatred, no love towards any other person. You see that earthquakes and um, we see hurricanes that are happening. There's signs in the heavens. We just experienced an eclipse Uh, that people were talking about for days and weeks. God said that there would be signs in the heavens that he was coming back, that there would be signs in the earth that he's coming back, that there would be uh, signs in the seas, which we experienced some of the worst hurricanes we've ever experienced. Our country, recently, now I don't know, you guys watch the news any and see that? That's a sign of the time we're living in. And God said that he would give you signs... To know, hey, it's getting close to time. It's getting close to the time I'm coming back. It's getting close to the end of the world. So I'm going to give you a sign so you know how to be prepared. So you know how to act. So you know what to do. So you're not afraid. So you're not hiding out in a bunker in Idaho with canned goods and ammo expecting the end of the world to come. That's not faith. That's fear. Come on now, somebody. Get your butt out of the bunker. We got stuff to do. That's not faith. That's fear. And we as believers need to have it together more than anybody else has it together. Everybody else has no answers. We can be like, oh my gosh, I'm just as scared as you are. No, we have answers because we have God and we have his word. And so hopefully these scriptures today will comfort you and encourage you because God already knew this would happen That's why he put it in the Word so you wouldn't be freaked out when it started to happen. And this was written thousands of years ago before this all started happening. So we see we can get encouragement from God's Word. There's three things I wrote down that I want us to think about today. These are the reasons, I think, why God told us so many times, especially in the New Testament, Jesus spoke about the end times all the time. Throughout the whole New Testament, there's a lot of things spoken about the end times. Revelation is a whole book written about the end times. God gave us a lot of forewarning on what would happen. I'm going to tell you the three reasons why I think he gave us these things ahead of time. First of all, encouragement. God wrote these things down not to scare us, but to encourage us on what's going to happen. Number two, he gave us to warn us. 
There's a lot of warnings when it talks about the end times. He wants to warn us on how to act and how to be and what not to be deceived by. There's a lot of warnings in the Bible about the end times. But number three, to comfort us. So he wrote these things about what's going to happen to encourage us, to warn us, and to comfort us with his words. So that's what we're hopefully what will happen today. I believe what will happen today. Thinking about the end times of what will happen. So uh, we're going to see here, there's some questions that people have about Jesus coming back. First of all, we believe as a church and as believers, it's a non-negotiable in the Bible. We believe Jesus is coming back. Now realize, some of you maybe never heard anybody say that from the pulpit. Jesus is coming back. That's something that a lot of churches believe but never actually speak out. But it's there. It's kind of like we all kind of know it. But just so you know, we believe Jesus is literally coming back to earth one day to rescue us, to save us, and it's going to be the end of the world. Of course, we know. We, I, I can't go too far with you today because I don't even know all those things. But it says eventually there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to wrap this whole thing up and start over again and say there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But that's way off in the future. We don't need to even talk about that. Let's talk about where we live today. But we believe that Jesus is coming back. And how many know they said that Jesus was coming back 2,000 years ago? How much more us? It's sooner than when we first believed. And the early disciples and believers, they knew that Jesus was coming back. They didn't know how soon. So a lot of them assumed that it would be in their lifetime that Jesus was coming back. But there's been 2,000 years of time since Jesus was here. And so how much closer are we to Jesus coming back than these first believers? How much nearer we are to the salvation we receive all these years later, because these early disciples legitimately thought, Jesus is coming back in my lifetime. But we see 2,000 years later, he's still not back. Now, there's a reason for that. Let's go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 3. You guys get something today. 2 Peter 3. I'm trying to answer a question that a lot of people have questions about. If we're honest, we're all thinking the same thing right now with what's on the news, with hurricanes, with earthquakes, with Donald Trump in North Korea. We're all having questions. What in the world is going on? Well, the Bible talked about this a long time ago. So here's a question people have. Okay, well, Jesus said he was coming back and it's been 2,000 years. Where is he? Why isn't he here? He's not here. Is he lying in what he said? Well, the people that were in the time of Jesus had the same question. We see in 2 Peter, this is the Peter who was the disciple of Jesus, 2 Peter 3, people in that time had the same question. Why isn't Jesus coming back if he said he was? So let's read this in 2 Peter 3. Let's go to read from verse 8. In the New Living, it says, But you must not forget that this one thing, dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Stop. The reason it feels like it's a long time for us is because we live inside space and time. God does not. He doesn't. God doesn't live inside space and time. We do. So we feel like it's a long time for him to come back. But it's not for him. And that's why I said there's no concept of time with God. That's why a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day because God is not inside our time and our timetables. He's outside of time. So it hasn't been long for God at all. Just for us. But then he goes on and he gives you part two of this. Verse nine, the Lord isn't really being slow at his promise. Now, we just gave you the answer right there. The Lord is not really being slow at his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. 
He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. That's the reason that Jesus hasn't come back in 2017 years. is because it's for your sake, not his. And the reason he's doing that is because he's given people more time to repent. He's given people more time to turn from their darkness and turn to his goodness. He's given people and he's being patient and long-suffering with mankind. I know most of you wouldn't have been 2,000 years long-suffering with mankind. You would have wrapped this thing up a long time. Like, all right, let's just go home. Let's just go to heaven. Forget about it. But Jesus is so patient. The Father is so patient. The Spirit of God is so patient with us. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody to be destroyed. That's why he hasn't come back yet. And notice it's not because his promise isn't true. Peter addressed that. It's for your sake that he's being patient. And he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. That is the reason Jesus has not come back yet. And you know, a lot of people say, that, hey, well, you Christians always talk about Jesus coming back. Where is he? Well, let me tell you where is he, smart aleck giving you space and time to repent of your comments. For your sake, he's being patient. Now, we should be thankful for that, the the patience and long-suffering of God, for us to get it right. Because he doesn't have a heart to destroy or bring judgment if he doesn't have to. So our Lord is not really being slow. He's being patient for your sake and does not want anyone to be destroyed or anyone to perish. You guys getting something today? So, the end of the world, when will it come? Well, there is signs of the times that it will come in. Let's look back at Matthew 24, and we're going to read some of these verses. Matthew 24, you guys getting something today? So we should all be thankful that God gives us time and space to repent, to change. He's patient with all of us, but even all the people that we want to be saved and want to come to the knowledge of God, he's being patient for those people because he loves them. He doesn't want anybody to be destroyed. So Matthew 24, and we see that there are signs of the times. God said that there will be signs when he starts coming or he's getting ready to start coming back. So this is what it says. In Matthew 24 and verse 4, let's read again. It says, Do not let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. And they will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but do not panic. Yes, these things must take place, but notice the end won't follow immediately. Nations will go against nations, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes in many parts of the world. But this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. Let's start, stop there. there is, this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. Now, just so you can write down in your notes, if you want to uh, see some more about this passage, Luke 21, you can look it up later. It's the same account of this, but Luke adds some different details that this doesn't add to it. So Luke 21, we're not going to turn there. But notice he says, this is the first of birth pains to come. So, on the list, we're doing pretty good. We got people deceiving people. We got people that hate each other. We got earthquakes happening everywhere, killing people. We have uh, tsunamis. We have hurricanes destroying people. We have wars and rumors of wars. We live in a dark time. So, all of the signs say... That it's time. But he says, these are signs of the time, but the end is not yet. The end is not yet. But these are signs that it's getting close. And he says, this is the first of birth pains. There is more to come. Now let's stop there. Um, God gives the example in his word of when... It's getting closer and closer to the time that he's coming back. He gives the example of a woman giving birth. Now, I realize I'm the perfect example of that to talk about it, so I'm going to talk about it this morning. So, he talks about a woman giving birth. Is 
an example he uses for the signs of the time. So he says, when these things start happening, you know that it's getting close to time. Now let, let me read another verse to you. I'm going to give you some scriptures today. Romans 9. Or Romans, um, Eight, sorry, Romans 8, you guys can turn over there, Romans 8, we're going to read from the New Living, so he says that when you see wars, rumors of wars, people against people, hatred, division, earthquakes, crazy things happening on the world, in the world, Luke 21 talks about the seas, what we've been experiencing with these hurricanes, everything, these will be signs of the times, these will be the first of birth pains, birth pains that are coming on the world. But notice the end is not yet. Stay with me. Romans 8 and verse 18 in the New Living says this. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us later. Verse 19, for all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day that it will join God's children in glorious freedom, notice, from death and decay. For we know that all of creation, listen to this, has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And we too wait for the eager hope of the day when God will give us full rights as his adopted children and we get new bodies as he has promised. Now that's a lot to take in here. So he says that All of creation, just like childbirth, is groaning and travailing like birth pains because it is under a curse. Now, in the beginning, when Adam sinned and fell, mankind wasn't the only thing that was cursed. The planet was cursed. That's why from the time that Adam sinned till now, the earth has been dying and decaying. That's why plants die. That's why trees die. That's why animals against animal, animals die. All of his creation has turned against each other because just like we were under a curse before Jesus, the earth is under a curse and is waiting, come on, for redemption just like our bodies are waiting for redemption. And you know that internally some days when you have gout in your foot, You think to yourself, I'm waiting for the day that I won't even have to think about my body because I'll have a new body. Come on now, somebody. And we know that because the Holy Spirit lives in us and we groan and travail internally because we know that there's something better coming in the future. We know that. You know that internally, that this is not it. This is not the end of it. This is just the beginning of it. Our spirit knows that. And notice, even us personally, we groan and travail knowing that one day, not just our spirit, but our bodies will be new and will be redeemed completely. But the point is this, all of creation knows it too. All of creation knows this, that's why it groans and travails. And notice, with birth pains, the closer you get to the time that is supposed to be born, the more the pains come and the stronger they come. Because it's trying to give you a sign, baby, coming. Can you feel me? Boom. Can you feel me? I'm coming. So you know the closer it gets to you having a baby, the stronger, the quicker, the faster the contractions get. And they're more often. And he's using that example. That's what this world is doing right now. That's why you don't have to wait weeks and months for another news story. Before the day's over, there's another earthquake. Before the day's over, there's another hurricane. Before the day's over, there's another shooting. Before the day's over, North Korea said something. 
before the day's over. What is that? That is a sign from God that there is these contractions, there's these groanings happening, and the more that they're happening, it is a sign to us to wake up and realize it's coming soon. In the same way you mothers know this, you know when the baby's coming soon. You can feel it. When the contractions start coming and it's faster and it's stronger and you're ready to go, you know it's coming and we as believers should know that it's coming soon. And he gives a sign. Now you follow me today. He gives us signs. And he says when you see this, that's what is happening. These are signs of the times. These are birth pains showing you what's about to happen. But notice he said the end is not yet. But it says, notice all creation groans and travails for one day when it will be redeemed. You know, that's why our planet freaks out so much. That's why our planet has all the issues it does. It's because it's dying. It's decaying. Just like we die and decay, the planet is dying right now. Now, I'm not getting political here, but there is such thing as climate change. Because the climate's not going to get better when the earth is dying. Are you here, somebody? There is such a thing as climate change. God said it. The earth is under a curse, and the atmosphere and the world is not going to just suddenly improve. No, it's going to get worse because it's dying. And until redemption comes and there's a new heaven and a new earth, you can't fix the problem. It's going downhill. Because it's under a curse. Now, that doesn't mean be wasteful or put toxins in the environment. I'm not saying that. But it's saying no matter what you do, the earth is still dying and decaying. (laughs) And it knows it. And it knows it so much, it's groaning and travailing to the point that we see the earthquakes, we see the hurricanes, we see the natural disasters happening. That's not God's judgment. That's the earth groaning and travailing because it's dying and decaying from the curse it's under. You guys receiving something today. And it will be redeemed one day just like we will be redeemed one day, fully. God will not just give us a new body, but he will give the earth. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and it will all be redeemed. Come on, you receiving this today. Hopefully you're encouraged so far. So we see that these are just the beginning of birth pains, but the end is not yet. But we know the, the closer and stronger they get together, we understand all of this in here, that that's a sign that it is coming soon. In the same way that you might not know the day or the hour when you're going to have a child, you know the season. Come on, mothers, give me an amen in here. You know the season. And all you men who don't want to be... Um, you know the season too. And don't you dare say, it looks like it's season, about the season for you to have that baby. Don't say that either. And God says in his word that we don't know the day or the hour, but we can know the season. Because he's got to give us signs of the season, signs of the time, to know when it's about time to happen. And we know that. We don't know the day or the hour, but we definitely can know the season by what we see around us. God gives us signs. Isn't that awesome? God gives us signs that we can know what he's about to do. In 1988, the year after I was born, there was a book written, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. (laughs) It's 2017, guys. But you know what? There's been many, many, many books written just like that. 99 reasons why he's coming back in 1999, and he's still not back. Why? Because God said you can't predict it. You're not going to know the day or the hour. Now, you can know the season, but you're not going to know the day or the hour that I come back. Nobody can guess that. And somebody who says that, just like the person who said it was Saturday, yesterday, (laughs) they're a liar. But the encouraging part is we can know the seasons. Why? We know the seasons by the pain. We know the seasons by how often and how strong and how far it is together. And we see that the more often it happens are giving us a sign that, hey, it's about time. 
for something to happen. These are birth pains, but the end is not yet. We're going to get to the good part here. Hopefully you're getting some uh, knowledge about Jesus coming back. But he says the end is not yet. But what does he say? Until the gospel is preached in the whole world, the end is not yet. And in my opinion, I believe with all my heart, all of the rest of the signs of the times are here and have been accomplished. And we could get a real prophecy teacher who could take you in the Old Testament and Revelation and say the same thing I just said with a lot more scriptures. He would agree with what I just said. All of the signs that Jesus is coming back are here right now, but one. And he says, the end will not come until the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, and then it will come. That's the only thing holding him back from coming. What did we read? He's patient with people. He's long-suffering with people, and he wishes that none will perish. That's why he hasn't come back yet. And so he's just waiting on one thing to happen, the gospel to be preached in the whole world. Now, a lot of us in here, we live in the Bible Belt newsflash. And you could think wrongly that everybody has the Bible. Everybody's heard the gospel. Everybody goes to church. No. Not even close. Just because you live in an area that's like that, most of the world is not like the area we live in. And he said, the end will not come till the gospel is preached in the whole world. Meaning that the church has responsibility for the end to come. And he's not willing, notice that any would perish, that's why he's been patient and long-suffering, waiting for the spirit and the bride to do the mission of the church and fulfill this great commission. And then the end will come. There is right now several hundred nations on the planet. Now a lot of those nations have heard the gospel. Not all of them, but a lot of them have. But let me break it down like this. There is 17,000 people groups on the planet right now. 17,000. 10,000 of those people groups have a Bible, have a missionary, and have a church. 10,000. So that means right now, in the world we live in, there are still 7,000 people groups, not just people, people groups that don't have a Bible, that don't have a missionary, that don't have a church. That's why the end is not yet. Because God cares about those 7,000 people groups that haven't heard the good news yet. He cares about those 7,000 people groups that haven't had an opportunity yet. He cares about those people and he wishes that none will perish. So that's why the end of the world is waiting on the church to share the good news with people who need to know it. You guys thought you didn't have a part in this. You do. So we see that there's 7,000 unreached people groups still left on this planet, even though you think there's no way that people couldn't have heard that. No, this is a big planet. There's a lot of people. There's still 7,000 unreached people groups that still need to know the gospel. They still need a missionary. They still need a church. They still need a Bible in their own translation. Now, we Americans don't know anything about that. We have hundreds of translations on our phone, just in English. But there's people that don't even have a page of the Bible in their own language. So he says the end will not come until the gospel is preached. The good news is preached in all the world and then it will come. So that's the only thing waiting for the church to do what it's called to do. That's the only thing left to do is... These unreached people groups. All the signs of the times are here. All the birth pains, we are all feeling them, Christian and non-Christian alike. But the thing that's holding him back is he didn't wish that any would perish. There's people that still need to be reached. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. And then it will come. Now the good news is this. In the past hundred years of history... There's been more people saved in the past 100 years than there was in the past 1,900 years. 
And they would say right now on the planet, there's about 2.6 billion believers on the planet right now. So we realized that, hey, that's a sign that tells us that God's up to something. That there's more people saved today than there was in the past 1900 years of history. That God is doing something. And just because you don't hear it every day, and just because you go to a church with a few hundred people, you've got to realize there's people right now in Africa with stadiums full of millions and millions of people getting saved. There's people in Asia right now with hundreds of thousands of believers getting saved this morning. There's people in Russia right now in places you never heard of crying out for God and getting saved and has missionaries there and Bibles there. And just because you don't hear about it on the news, God is up to something. God is doing things. Just because you live in such a narrow mindset of just your church and where you live, God is doing something all around the world. And the fact that over the past hundred years there's been more people than the past 1900, God's doing something. You know why he's doing it? Because now we have the technology to be able to reach more people than ever before. And that's one of the signs of the times that God said in his word what would happen. There would be the ability to reach masses of people like never before because of technology. And that's the time and day we live in. You should be encouraged this morning. You're not alone. You're not a part of something small. You're not a part of something insignificant. You're a part of the most powerful thing on the earth, which is the local church. The church of God, the hope of the world, the most important thing that you could be a part of in your life. And you're not alone. And the couple hundred people here, they're just one part of your big family. There is 2.6 billion other people that are in the same family that you have that are serving Jesus and loving Jesus and praying for you. And in, in their Bibles, in their church, giving. So you're a part of something big. Come on, I'm preaching myself happy this morning. I don't know if it's the gout medicine or the anointing, one or the other. It's the anointing. It's not the gout mess. I didn't take any. But you're a part of something big. I don't know about you, but sometimes you could focus on just your town, your church, your this. You think, wow, there's a big world out there. Yes, there's a big world, but there's a big God, and there's a big church reaching those people. And we get the privilege and honor to be a part of what God is doing. So really, he's waiting on the church. To finish the job. And then he'll come back. We see all the signs. All the signs are here. All the birth pains are here. But the one thing he's waiting on is all of the nations. Every person who's unreached. He wants to give them at least an opportunity. To hear the gospel. Those 7,000 unreached people groups. To hear the good news. Because he doesn't wish that any would perish. That's the goodness of God right there. He could have came back a long time ago and said, forget about it. But he's so loving and kind, he gives people space to repent. How many in here, God's ever given you some space and time to repent? (laughs) And he loves those people just as much as he loves you. He's given them space and time to repent. Come on, hopefully you're encouraged today. I'm going to give you three things before we leave here today. So how should, we, how should we respond to this? With the signs of the times, with Jesus coming back, with the end of the world, all this talk. How should we respond? The first thing I want to say is, do not fear. Do not fear. Jesus said in Matthew 24, when you see these things coming, don't panic. The New King James says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't fear. When you see these signs happening, when you see the end of the world, don't fear. We are not fear people, we are faith people. Believers are faith people, not just this church. Believers should be faith people, we're not fear people. And when we fear What we really believe in that moment that whatever we're facing is bigger than the God that we serve. Which is not true. But at that moment, for some reason, we think that whatever we're going through is really that much bigger than God. And it's not. So how would God want us to respond as believers living in this time? Do not fear. 
That's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. If you watch the news all day long, trust me, it's going to be hard not to fear. If you pay attention all the time to what's going on in the world, it's going to be hard. That's why you got to make the choice. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to give you two verses. 2 Timothy 4.18. If you're struggling with fear by what's happening in the world, here's one. 2 Timothy 4.18. He would deliver us from every evil work and preserve us to the heavenly kingdom. Here's a whole passage for you if you're struggling with fear. Psalm 91. Let's look back over there real quick. Psalm 91. So how should we respond? Do not fear. Refuse to fear. So like I said, if you're struggling with fear by what's happening in the world, Psalm 91, 2 Timothy 14. Start thinking about these scriptures. Start confessing these scriptures. Start reading these scriptures. But notice what it says. Psalm 91. In the New Living, it says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my safety. He is my God. In Him will I trust. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Verse 5, do not be afraid of the terrors of night, nor the arrows that fly by day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Verse 7, though a thousand fall at your side, and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Verse 8, just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. Verse 9, if you make the Lord your refuge... If you make the most high your shelter. Verse 10. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near you. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Come on. Is that some good verses right there? So if you're struggling with fear right now with what's happening in the world. Psalm 91. Read it every day. Get it in you. 2 Timothy 4.18. Because it says... For the believer, we don't need to be afraid because he will deliver us from every evil work. We don't need to be afraid because his angels will protect us and guard us and keep us. That is a promise from his word. Now this is not just a Christmas card scripture. This is not just for your refrigerator and your precious moments Bible. This is real life. God wouldn't have promised it if he didn't mean it. And so he says that I will protect you and keep you and guard you, not not just from natural disasters, but from disease, from people trying to harm you. He will be our protection. So we don't need to fear as believers. Number two, we need to make the most of our opportunities. Ephesians says, make the most of your opportunities for the days are evil. Make the most of your opportunities for the days are evil. We live in a time that we need to make the most of our opportunities. Most people live with zero urgency. Zero urgency. We're not going to live here forever, guys. Did you not know that? We're, we're not going to get opportunities back again. We don't come back to this planet reincarnated as somebody else. We only get one shot. We only get one opportunity. We only get one time to do what God has called us to do. One. And that's why we need to make the most of the opportunities to have some urgency about us. Because the days are evil. So how do we make the most of our opportunities? 
that person you're waiting to talk to, you need to talk to them. <laughs> that person you were going to share the gospel with, share the gospel with them. The thing you were going to do to bless that person, bless them today. Don't wait for tomorrow. We need to live with some urgency because tomorrow's not promised to anybody. Do what you're going to do today. Say what you're going to say today. Because it might not be your last day, but it might be somebody else's. And a lot of people live with no urgency. If we know that he's coming soon, we should live with some urgency. If we know that the signs of the times are here, we should live with some urgency. And make the most of these opportunities. God gives us all opportunities every day of our lives to do something for him. And a lot of times we don't do it because there's no urgency. We need to live in a way that makes the most of these opportunities. Number three, Matthew 24, to live ready. Did you guys get something today? Matthew 24. Matthew 24, and we're going to start in verse 42. This is the same passage where he was talking about all the signs that would happen. He says, so you too must keep watch, for you don't know the day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when the burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. Verse 44, you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. Notice that. Not just encouragement, but that warning. Live ready. Because the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. So we as believers, our responsibility, our action that we should be is not fear. We need a world that sees us with no fear. We need a world that sees the church as leaders, not followers. Not as people that are fearful and hiding in caves and getting away from this. No, that are full of faith. So as believers, we don't need to be afraid. But also we need to make the most of every opportunity. But lastly, live ready. You know, people joke about this. I realize my voice is completely gone at this point. I gave it all I had. But you know, it used to be a joke like back in the day with, uh, especially like more holiness type of churches is like, they were like, don't go to a movie because what if Jesus comes back in the middle of the movie? You know, because they were a little bit legalistic. Like you'd just be still sitting there if you're watching the movie. Like I'm watching Nemo. It's not R-rated. Come on. Or they would be like, if you're at a dance, watch how you live. Jesus is coming. Watch who you're hanging out with. Jesus is coming. Like you wouldn't be caught up in the rapture just because you're at an event. Now I'm not t- saying that, but I am saying he warns us and say, says, live ready. Be ready. Be expectant. You know he's coming. You see the signs. Live like he's coming back. Talk like he's coming back. Do the work of an evangelist like he's coming back. Make the most of your opportunities. Don't be afraid because Jesus is coming soon. And like a wise preacher said, it might not be the last days, but it is our last days. Now, I believe it's both for us right now in the times we live in. So let's live this way. Let's live ready. Let's be a church that's ready. A church that's taking opportunities. A church that's not afraid. Anybody want to be that in here? And to be a church that's ready for the return of Jesus. Not afraid, 
Not scared, not running, but looking forward to it. How many of you are looking forward to that? It's not going to be a scary time. You're going to be with Jesus face to face. How could you be scared? You're going to be in the presence of Almighty God without any restrictions. How could you be scared? You're going to be in heaven with all the other people that went before us. Every person in the Bible, every relative, every great cousin, great aunt, grandpa, grandpa, husband or wife, a child that you lost, all of them will be there in heaven to receive you. That's not a scary, fearful time. And it's just like the enemy to get us scared of the best thing that will ever happen to us. Well, let's not talk about Jesus coming back. It's scary. That's what we've been all waiting for and wishing for our whole life. Isn't it? You wouldn't have got saved if you didn't want to be with him the rest of your life and all of eternity. That's all we need to live ready. Live ready because the signs all around us say that he's coming soon. But we have our part. And that's why I believe with all my heart, like a church like never before, we're going to try to take opportunities that God gives us. You know, there's a good amount of people here today, which we appreciate that. But we're not satisfied with that. We love you. But there's billions of people that don't know Jesus yet. So we're going to make the most of the opportunity and have some urgency about us and not say, next year we hope people come to our church. Five years from now, I hope somebody gets saved. Ten years from now, no, today. Tomorrow's not promised. And he's waiting on us. He's waiting on his church like it says in the book of James, to receive the precious fruit of the earth. The precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting for a church that will go out and reap the precious fruit of the earth. Why? Because he doesn't want any to perish. How many would raise their hand right now and say, I know somebody that needs to get saved and they're not saved right now? Did anybody in your life? Do you think God cares about those people more than you care about them, more than I care about them? And you know what? With God's help, we're going to reach those people. And we're going to love those people because we are going to make the most of the opportunities God has given us and be a church that's living ready. Do you guys get something today? You guys can close your Bibles.